Hi, welcome to the Honeyology Podcast. I'm Anika Lani. I'm here with my producer and co-host, Anthony Valdez. And listen up, because now you're taking Honeyology. So, I'm a little sick this week. Oh, well, not like, not like Harrison. Like, I got sick last week. So today, we were drinking some tea. We drank Royal Breakfast. I think it was Royal Breakfast. I think that's the title of it. Um, from the East India Company, which is still a company, which I didn't know about. Well, say what year. So hang on. <laughs> Anthony, what's happening, yo? What's going on with you? I mean, I was like... I was sleeping when I called you yeah. to come here. <laughs> I was. I was passed out. I was out. I was Hello. like... Hello. <laughs> I did not settle in. You did. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, I, well, we drank some tea. Well, we I had did. a little bit of caffeine. So it was yeah. black tea. It was black tea. And it was delicious. It was delicious, right? It was so good. So this is from the East India Company, which has been around since like 1600. Yes. Which I didn't know was still a company. Like, I didn't know that they were still making tea and you could still, you could still buy it. You can go on their website. The British don't and play. <laughs> it's so true. They bought that tea life. It's, it was amazing. Well, the reason why I bought it was because I went on my honeymoon. I went to London and Paris um, with uh, my husband. Obviously, it was my honeymoon. <laughs> That's sort of implied. Um, and we went. Not everybody knew you had a husband. Everybody, okay. Well, now you know. Now you know. Uh, now you know. The more you know. <laughs> and uh, so we went to London and Paris. And I actually liked London more than Paris. Um, because Me too, because and, I've never been to Paris, so yeah. I'm a little bit like, anyway, well, London was great. Well, the reason why I love London was because they, I love tea and gin a lot, <laughs> and they take that shit so seriously. Like, I came home with, like, tea, like, like so much tea, and I, like, we went to, like, gin bars, and I was in heaven. Like, it was heaven. So talk about that. Talk about some of the tea and gin bars you went to. Okay. I think our listeners would so, be very interested. So we interested. went to one of this gin bar called Mr. Fogg's Gin Parlor, and it was really cool inside. It was, like, honestly, like, if you went inside, you... I think Anika would have gone inside and she would like, this is Anthony's brain. Like we are in <laughs> Anthony's brain. Because like there was like, there was like stag heads on the wall. There was, um, the, it was like, you know, beautiful Victorian uh, looking, uh, you know, furniture. And like, it was like, you know, with like beautiful wallpaper on the, on the wall. It was like, it was my brain. It was inside my brain. And I was like, oh, we're in my, my, my brain's living room. Like, that's what it felt like. And it was this gorgeous bar and it was like, you know, tons of gin that you could think of. And then like, they had these like botanicals in the gin. So it was like, Ooh, they took, and they had like specific I love tonics. botanicals in the gin. Yeah. They had like specific tonics too that they paired and it was absolutely beautiful. Like it was like, and I didn't know how so much. So talk I didn't, about like the pairings. What were they? Um, I don't remember what I had. I think I had it's like I had too much oh, gin to remember gin. the pairing. Um, my you know my husband had the Clover Club, and that was Ooh, the first, that sounds so good. And it's a really it's a very popular drink. Um, I think I might make it next time next next episode. I'll yeah. make that for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and it was it was really good, and he loved it. He loved it a lot. And it's like a gin drink, but with like raspberries and raspberry syrup. Oh, it had raspberries. Yeah. So let me ask you: while you were at this gin parlor, did mm-hmm. you run into anybody who gave you an invite to the royal wedding? No. No, I don't think they announced it yet while I was there. No. Wait, no. Maybe they, did they? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't pay attention do you to these know, things. I, listen, do you know that I was going to move to London? That was my plan. Really? Some decades ago. Absolutely. I took a visit spontaneously. Uh-huh. My job at the time was like, we're shutting down for a week or so. And... We're still going to pay you, but we need to reorganize and restructure. So I was like, okay, I'll do the same thing in my house. And then I had this idea like, no, I'll go to London. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that makes sense. And I found this was in the early days of buying your airline tickets online. But I did it and I bought this ticket to London Heathrow. Yeah, Heathrow Airport. For... $300 round trip. Mm-hmm. And I boarded this flight out of nowhere. 
before I got there, I went before I left, I went to Barnes and Noble and bought this book, London on the Budget, which was like <laughs> London for twenty dollars a day or something yeah. like Think for the little crazy. Yeah. And then when I got the, oh yeah, and then I I so anyway, um I got there and oh I didn't have any place to stay. Like this was a real Wait, you just like showed up <laughs> and you did. had no place to stay? I oh my did. god. I got to the airport and I had this book London on the budget and I go through it and I'm like, oh shoot, I need like to find a hotel. And um so I tried to find this hotel, but there was a conference going on, so like everything was really booked. <laughs> <laughs> and so then not wanting to spend a lot of money but also being a little bit picky. I didn't want to be in a place like London has a lot of places where you can go and share a bathroom. And I was like, I'm not really trying to do that. Yeah. Like, I don't really know you people. So I found this place in Earl's Court, which was a European tourist district. Huh. And they had rooms for 70 pounds a night which was an equivalent to $35 a night in American dollars. And I had a private bathroom. I had cable. It was real cute. It was a bed and breakfast. Oh, wow. And they had like internet cafes around the corner because no one had internet. Yeah, of course. Anyway, it was a really... Like it, and I just traveled the city by myself. I went to Soho, and I I came to understand. I was like, oh my god! Like basically, um, New York City is little London Junior. Yeah. And I remember going to the Victoria and Albert Museum, oh, and I went there one. for the Sikh exhibit, the Indian Sikh exhibit. And this guy comes up to me, and he's got really pale skin and red hair, and he's comes up to me and so he a says British person. <laughs> right he does very british and he says you see how the british stole everything <laughs> because he did yes because every placard that was you know next to some you know chest of jewels <laughs> and some some you know uh, bedecked crown yeah. <laughs> was like came into the possession of Lord Ellenborough <laughs> in 1899. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Look, look, that was the entire exhibit. I didn't know him from anybody. I don't even remember seeing him. He just came out of nowhere. He was like, do you see how the... And that's... He had like he totally had like a Cockney accent too. Yeah. Like he had a you serious. I can't. I can't. I can't even imitate. No, it was it was way stronger. Like really? I, yeah, oh I can't God. even. I don't even know how I understood what he said. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that fast forward, you go there, you have your honeymoon, and oh, you guys look phenomenal. So, um, just so you know, Anthony has the most pristine. <laughs> scrapbook of his wedding none of y'all are competing with that <laughs> okay and it's real time it's not no like internet scrapbook okay <laughs> this is like old school with like the sticky photo pages it's like pictures that you go and develop from the drugstore yo you know what I'm saying and um, and they they're looking like very royal and vacationy and you know I think that if Meghan Markle and Prince Harry had like a photo scrapbooking wedding contest, Anthony and his <laughs> husband might beat them. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. we like them. I, listen, God bless them. You know, they had a black preacher from Chicago at their wedding. Yeah, they they probably had to give the queen smelling salts. <laughs> you, know <what> I'm <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he went over his time. Oh, he did? Honey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he had like five minutes. He was like, what? Are you kidding me? I was like, it's going to be a little longer like, than that. Boo. Like, <laughs> he went like 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. No, I, I thought that was just the allotted time that he was supposed to. No, he had oh. like five minutes. He was like, let's talk about the antebellum slave times <laughs> and Martin Luther King Jr. And the wedding took place on Malcolm X's birthday. Oh, that's too funny. It's so good. Oh, that's funny. So happy wedding anniversary to you and what and it's all, actually, actually when we got married in march yeah. so march what march april 
Is it April? March? It's May. Well, May now. March, but no, but almost March, in June. April, May. May. So June. So it's been almost four months in a couple of weeks. You made it past that three month mark. I know. You're doing look great. Us, look at us. Yeah. And so getting back to that London story, how I was going to move there, that actually didn't happen because I ended up getting pregnant with my kid, oh. who is now. About to graduate from high school. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's like, that's it's crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, crazy. it's a wrap. It's a wrap. That's a wrap. Deep. <laughs> Cut. Bing. Check the gate. <laughs> what? I told him today, though. I, I, I told him today. I said, you know, because he's like done. He's like, don't ask me anything about anything. Right? <laughs> I'm like, no problem. And I said to him, it's cool. I said, it's hard because you want your kids to be these independent children who go off and have their own minds and their own ideas about things. Yeah. But you also want to brag about them. Yeah. And I said, listen, you did everything great because honestly, you gave me like bragging rights. Yeah. So... He's he was a good kid, and I was, and then I was like, "Oh my high, god, we're so!" He's I was so like, "High five!" Like, look, I was like, "High five!" And he just gave me this big hug. Oh, he's, he's so embarrassed yeah. right now. He is, but he he's should sweet. not be listening to this episode. He's gonna be like, "Fuck!" No, <laughs> he's like, "My mom is trying to put me on." <laughs> <laughs> that poor kid. It is poor kid a little bit, <clears throat> a little bit, a little um, bit. So you know, okay, so I've been sick. Like you have last, been. Like, I don't know, forever. It yeah, feels, it feels like, like I feel like you've been sick for a long time. It's been like a week. It yeah. was a whole week. And like, finally, it's but just... But you're looking great. <laughs> sick Sickness is good. does help. You know? <laughs> it like, just like at... expels everything. Yeah, you're All glowing. That <laughs> look at your haircut. <laughs> I had, well, I had to go get a haircut. Like, I had to go... I had to go to Eric, who's my barber. Yeah, E the barber. E the barber. And um, we love you. And uh, We do love you. And well, it was funny because you've known him forever. Forever. Like 30 years. Well, it's funny because I knew about him because he, a co-worker of mine, goes to him. That's crazy. And so the funny thing was he, so I, so then my co-worker went to him and his hair was always fly. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, like, so finally, and I've been like, and it was funny because. I have been living in New York City for five years and I've been trying to find a barber forever because, you know, I'm a gay man. So it's like, you know, we're like, you know, <laughs> I won't be cute. Uh, on, on, honestly, I'm just a man. Like now, like men, like take their hair seriously. Like it's a, All it's a thing. Say, look, the yeah. barbers. So it's not a gay thing. It's, it's, a, it's a man yeah, thing now. So yeah. I was like, it's I, been a man thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was like trying to find a barber. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go to this guy. Cause then I found out. So then, so my friend went to him and I was like, all right, I'm going to go try him out. I'm going to go to him. So I went. And I went walking through and they're like, oh, like, who would you like to see? And I'm like, Eric, specifically. <laughs> and I'm like, that guy. And they're like, okay. So he's like, well, you're going to have to wait. So I, I get my haircut and he gives me the most amazing haircut. And I'm like, fuck. And I remember I told him, and you can ask him. I told him after the haircut, I said, I have been looking for a barber forever. And now I finally found him. And it was funny because even like my parents-in-law all knew <laughs> that they were like, they were like, oh, I'm like, I found my barber. <laughs> they were like, look, you got a great haircut. And they were like, and they were like, you did? You found him? I'm like, yes. And they were like, mm. it was hilarious. They all knew that like I had been looking for one for like ever. And so, but yeah. Um, no, he cut my he hair did. back in the day. Like, yours. Oh, he did? Yeah. No, so my hair is like really short. Well, it's like it's been hot. It's the summer. It's the of summertime. Course. So it was like I told him I went in the chair. Like I've been sick for the, like the last week, and I was like, because my hair was getting like really bushy, and my beard was, and I was like, I need to just take it off, just, just take it all off. And so he did, and I felt like I honestly felt better afterwards because I was like, just the amount of weight that was literally lifted off. My hair's so thick though. Looking good is healing. It does. Well, yeah. that like I could feel my head. Of like, course, you have you. You're fresh. You're like letting your. As my brother texted me, you're letting your soul glow. Mm, I'm coming nice to America. Kind. No, that was from coming to America. Oh, okay. You're like that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> he he borrowed that from Eddie Murphy in Arsen in Arsenio Hall. Oh my god. Um, okay, so what so, what we getting into? Okay, so 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 all right. So I was sick for the week, right? And um, so during your sickness, when you're just sitting at home, you sort of start to binge watch it. And I decided to binge watch this series on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. And uh, let's just be clear here. 
If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, stop the episode right now and go and see this fucking show because it is crazy. And it was funny because we... So the the premise of the show is about this sort of cult, essentially, that created like an actual town out in the wilds, literally the wilds of Oregon. And it was crazy and it was... And I had never from heard of India. it. From India. From India. Like, the cult, like, started in India, and then they moved to Oregon. And it was insane. And oh, I don't know. It was just, it was crazy because, like, I am kind of fascinated with cults. And we've talked about this. Like, we're fascinated with, like, crazy sex cults. Like, it's so <laughs> crazy. Yes, that's <laughs> what we talk about all the time. When we're not on the show, <laughs> what we do is cults. talk about crazy sex cults. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we started the show we so were talking we about it one bring day to you the crazy sex cult talk crazy and sex cult talk we yes. were I, we were sitting there and i was like you know we should do a podcast about this um and uh, <laughs> no but this has been in See, the I'm works still, like, since coughing like crazy and and the crazy sex cult talk has been in the works since the first episode mm, okay so so anyways so we were so i was watching the show and i'm just like it's it's crazy and i'm like and i watched the whole thing in one day like there's like six episodes and there's like they're both like hour long and it was funny because the day started i woke up and i was like all right obviously i'm not gonna do anything today so i watched like the new comedy stand-up special from tig Notaro, who's a, a great comedian and then i watched another one from ali wong who's another great comedian i want to watch that yeah it's so funny. she's yeah. so funny she's yeah. so funny nasty but i love it like i love it she's so she's so great and her she's and her two specials are like she's like pregnant as fuck like you know and she's pregnant a she's like she's like seven months she's like seven months pregnant in both of her big specials and she's like just she's fucking amazing so so i watch this and then i watch another one called evil genius which <clears throat> you should watch anyways because it's really hilarious it's really crazy too and then i was like all right so i'm on this like you know documentary binge thing and i'm like all right let me watch this one because i think i had read about it this is netflix this is all on netflix and so i'm like all right so I, you know netflix and chill but it was netflix and sell chick sick chill <laughs> so i'm so i'm watching the show and and i'm like and so the first few episodes i was like i feel like there's nothing like People are crazy. You know what I mean? Like, people are nuts. But I was ultimately thinking, there's nothing wrong here. You know, if they want to be all weird and, you know, screaming and fucking and doing whatever they want to, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, that's fine. Like, that's fine. Like, do what you got to do. Like, this is America. If you want to be crazy and, you know, fuck each other and do whatever you want to do, like, it's fine. Like, you know, do, do what makes you feel happy and makes you feel better like that's what america's about but (laughs) as you watch the show it starts to progress where it's like where the like the the secrets and the darkness comes out and you're like oh like this is more than just fucking each other in the in the desert and meditating yeah and more than fucking and meditating in the desert it was like some crazy shit went down so i made you watch it yeah so i your thoughts well, you know, Anthony and I were, I was like, oh, I actually ran into Anthony on the street. He's like looking crazy. He's like, I got to just get my haircut. And I'm like, what are we doing? My way to the haircut. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I was like, Wait, what are we doing with the show? He's like, oh my God, I've been watching. Oh my God, I've been watching Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Have you watched this? Have you seen it? You're into yoga. You're into meditation. <laughs> this guy, Bhagwan Rajneesh from India, settles in Oregon to build this new commune society and he settles in this town called antelope and antelope is already settled by these this very these very american retirees the town is 50 people it's like yeah it was like 40 white people yeah and they're like cowboys um and they're rich they're rich so one of the men who's in the program who's one of the interviewees his um his dad was his the dad was of like Nike. founder of Nike yeah. <laughs> exactly like you know so they've got money they're ranchers they're farmers but and they're they're basically chilling anyway um Anthony's like this is what I want to talk about because we were also going to talk about the sex cult with this guy Keith Rangyard 
I don't know how to Nixvem, say his name. Nixvem, Nixium, Nixium. Like basically, yeah. the, so I didn't remember the woman's name, but ascent, but basically, this woman is from the show Smallville. She was arrested for sex trafficking, <laughs> and she's associated with this guy Keith Rangard, who had this whole sex cult where you got to get branded and provide. Her name is Allison Mack. Allison Mack. So here you are watching your Smallville, which is kind of like a you know, Superman, Superman kind of thing. No, it was Superman. It yeah. wasn't like Superman. It was <laughs> like Superman. It was Superman. Exactly. So you're thinking you're watching this whole wholesome thing, which you are. But then the shadow, In the shadow of this situation Allison is, is Allison Mack, who's like recruiting. She's recruiting and she was branding. They yeah, recruiting, branding, brand, literally brand, branding, like branding people with like, like, like how you would brand a cow. Yeah. You know, um, in their privates where it hurts. And it was it was above it was above for, the private. For, it was like on like the yeah enough. It was enough private. Yeah, it was like by the hip, but the people were screaming. They didn't have anesthesia, and Keith Ranyard is the you know he's the master. And a, a, I don't know what they were doing. They were trying to get executive success. I mean, like take a class, go get your masters. I don't I don't know, but but basically, well, the he, classes were like Nexium was like was 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 like being a cover for this thing called executive success, success, yeah. whatever it was, executive success. And it was like all these, you know, and it was kind of the like same thing with Wawa Country is like well, this how is you got into it was this, this very interesting kind of meditation. And we were talking about this. How do you get into a cult? Right. Like, and so this t- is my, th- and my thing is, so I read about, I read about, I read about Nexium. I read about Nexium in the New York Times. And I, gagged, this was last year in October. Right. October, and I read about it and I was like, and they were in New York and they, they also, and, and the, and the guy is, you had to provide so that you wouldn't tell what was going on. You had to provide incriminating photos of yeah, yourself yeah, to be blackmailed if you decided you want to tell what was happening in this cult. Who does that? Who's right. like, who's like, I'm going to offer up incriminating evidence of myself. Yeah. Like, all right. Duh, duh, uh, what? Anyway. Okay. So cults, but this is not unfamiliar, right? Because mm. so we talked about Jonestown, right? So I was old enough for Jonestown. Jonestown, if you don't know, is where the phrase don't, don't drink, drink the, the Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid <laughs> comes from. And it's not funny, right? It's not. Jim Jones. Jim Jones, the rapper, right? <laughs> Wasn't a rapper. This, no, Jim Jones was the rapper, the part who was from Dipset, uptown. He named himself after Jim Jones and Guyana. You never oh, listened yeah. to no, Dipset? No, no. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I was going to say, I was like, I was like, no, Cameron, the original Jim yeah, Jones. Yeah. I was saying the original Jim Jones. Okay, wasn't. the original Jim Jones. But I'm saying if you were listening to hip hop, right? If you listening to hip hop and you listening to Dipset from out in Harlem, that's Jim Jones. Loving hip- that's how Love and Hip Hop started the, 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 the TV show. Anyway, you going back but to... But that has nothing to do with the actual... It doesn't have anything to do, but he is saying, look, I got that charisma. I can make you drink the Kool-Aid, which yeah, he did in which his he own did. way. He made, made people drink the well, rap Kool-Aid. Well, so what happened? <laughs> right, right. So so anyway, so anyway, Jim Jones, he's in Guyana. He convinces all these people to come down with their riches, their fortunes, and they are black, they're white, they're intelligent, and... They end up with like Woolies weapons and poison Kool-Aid and kill themselves based on the philosophy of this guy. Yeah. Well, what happened was like, well, there's like tons of documentaries about it. Of course. And like everyone knows. Well, right before they killed themselves, there was a congressman who went out there who got murdered. Senator. Airfield. Was it a senator? Yeah. Someone from I think it was a senator. And the actually. senator's daughter ended up being yes. the senator's daughter ended up being in Wild Wild Country. Right. She ended she up being the, a follower of Rajneesh. Yeah. Of Bhagwan Rajneesh. Okay, so we're we're all over the place, but we're gonna bring it down. All right. All we're right, gonna right. we're gonna so Wild Wild Country streamline is about it for you. This. Okay, so this is essentially a little start. So it's like a six part series. It's very long, but I'm not gonna I don't want like it's hard to condense it all. I'm like, but essentially it's about this 
cult that starts out in India that sort of attracts a lot of white people because it's, you know, it's in the, during the, it's in the late, it's the early, you know, it's the mid, late 70s. It's, you know, the free hippie dippy bullshit, whatever. Meditate, you know, do yoga, get meditate, enlightened. Yoga, get enlightened. And they go out to, you know, which is, there's something wrong with meditating and doing yoga and enlightening, obviously, like, you know. Get you out do yoga. There. I do you it. You do yoga every day, yeah. all day. And so not all know, day, oh, not all day. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like I can do it you know, there's daily. Nothing, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But like they kind of took yoga and meditation to this really weird state, where like you know there was this specific kind of thing that he developed where it was like you act like super crazy. It's I don't know. No, okay. So what okay, it was called? It so he had a system, and it was called dynamic meditation. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. for those of you who are into yoga, you know that what you're doing it what you can do in a specific sect of yoga is open your kundalini. You uh, uncoil essentially the snake that's at the base of your spine that's going to unleash your passion, namely your sexual passion. Now, you know, there's some there's some question marks there. So yo yeah, so so this dude was like this. He understood, he understood the game. He understood how you can hustle people when they are repressed and vulnerable and living in a society that says, Don't listen to yourself, go with the crowd. And a lot of times these people can't access their creativity. They can't access their true selves, yippity app, whatever they do. So then they, they try, they're seeking. They're out here trying to find that thing where they feel they're lacking, but they can't quite identify it. So he, this guy, Bhagwan Rajneesh, he's in India. He finds, or he finds these rich Europeans or they find him. I don't know how it happened, but they all got together and they donated to him a lot of money to mm. get this enlightenment because while they were doing yoga and meditation and he was teaching them these dynamic meditation steps. So the first one I believe was, I don't know. You're like, um, there's a chaotic breathing, the chaotic breathing, which yeah. I don't listen. I do yoga. And the last thing I want to do is breathe chaotically. You know, I'm trying to like relax myself, right? So there's this like chaotic breathing. That's what it's called. I don't, I, I, I missed what that was actually. The second step was you just start screaming and yelling at each other, yeah. <laughs> you know, which I couldn't have been in that because I would have knocked somebody out if they were screaming <laughs> at me like that. You know what I'm saying? The third step is you're jumping up and down like this kind of monkey owl hybrid. Who, who? I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just know you're looking crazy. That's to me. You're looking a little crazy. And then the fourth step is you just sitting frozen in silence, like none of the three steps before happened. So from the beginning, once you join this cult, he already got you crazy. Yeah. And so what ends up happening in the, in the story is, you know, it starts out in India. I mean, there's like little you know, meditative, obviously meditative places all over the world. But then he, he starts, starts little communes right, everywhere. Starts, yeah. yeah. And so he starts the main one in India and then they decide to move and like they kind of move in the dead of night where they just like this guy, they, they buy up 80,000 acres in Oregon and they just pick up and they move and they move out to Oregon and then they create a small town. They, well, not a small town. It's a big fucking town. They create a town and they take over this town of Antelope. And they, you know, they create the town and, you know, they're doing their chaotic meditative or whatever they're doing. <laughs> you know, they're out in the <laughs> desert and they're doing this thing. They're out in the country. And, you know, they're, main, you know, and so what happens is the, you know, the locals start to kind of like, well, oh my God, they just showed up one day. And they kind of did. They just showed up. They did, and up. they're wearing like these red and orange uniforms. Yeah, they only wear like red yeah. and orange. And then they start, and like they start building everything. They build this town in a very short amount of time. And they were able to leverage all these people to build this town very, very quickly and very, very efficiently. And it's, and it's, you know, and so as I'm watching this thing, I'm like, you know, yeah, it's a little weird, but there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong and then the end of the series, um, things start to unravel. And as like with all cults, you know, the crazy 
starts to come out and the <laughs> violence starts to be a thing. So what ends up happening is at the same time, they're starting to like, like I said, it, it's, it gets very, very complicated and you should definitely watch it because it definitely explores more of what we're talking about in more depth and really explains how they use the political system in our country to create a town and to like push commissioner, push people out of office. And like, they ended up like, and, and it, it, it's really crazy because they use our own system against they us. Do, well, what they had done was they had looked at the constitution yeah. prior to them leaving India. So what needs to be said is that the people who were following Bhagwan Raj, Rajneesh were these rich Europeans and then later on Americans. And mm. they were, they had, they were in India for, for a few years yeah. before they, before they decided to settle in Oregon. So they were already his followers. They were already settled. They were already committed to this way of life that was laughter and dancing. But, you know, they're human. People are human. And so what these people who were following this um, guru didn't understand was that no matter where you go, no matter who you talk to, everybody has a dark side. Like, you're not going to talk to anybody who is just super pure and that's that and they found some ultimate point of reality in living that exonerates them from experiencing darkness. Mm. That's BS. Get out of here. Right. So... But these people didn't know that at first. Mm. So they give this guy all his money. Mm-hmm. They're able to come to Oregon. But they had looked up the Constitution. They understood how the law worked. Yeah. And so they came to this town and they started building. <laughs> and they're also a little loud, right? So the, 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 the town is made up of 50 people. It's rural. It's rocky. But the people who were there can see that they're different. And that's cool. You got to accept difference. But, you know, they... I'm sure there was a lot in the documentary that they didn't show about the newcomers and the local townspeople. Yeah. And the local townspeople were these very old school... Christian. White, white Christian people. American conservative. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. all they kept saying throughout the documentary is, how come all they want to do is just have sex all day? Yeah. But it's funny because this FBI agent way later on in the series when he's going to investigate sort of the quote-unquote crimes. Well, it's not quote-unquote. They were committing They some were crimes. committing some crimes. They were committing some crimes. When he goes to investigate, he says, well, the first thing I saw when I go into the commune is these, like, two people having sex on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yo, they were just having sex in everywhere. the open everywhere. And, they ha- and so this guy, Bhagwan, was really schooled in that he was, he was, um, he, he did meditate. He did understand the tenets of being a yogi and a guru mm-hmm. and how to attract followers. But he was a hustler like, yeah. and he wanted to be an American hustler. He was like, I'm going to do to you what you did to my people. <laughs> and we all know it wasn't the Americans, but you know, they're, they, the, the Americans are the children of the British. Yeah. And he was like, the same way that you colonized my country, I'm going to come here <laughs> and do the same yours. thing to you. Yeah. Yeah, right? So now, but you know, but the thing with the Americans is that the Americans are, uh, the Americans are like, you're not going to beat us at our game. Yeah. Right? But it was- I, don't, I don't know. I'm not saying that you can't beat Americans at their game. What I'm saying is, that was the goal from the FBI and the CIA and the lawmakers who were getting all the complaints from the townspeople. They were like, you don't come here and rename a town in Oregon after your Indian town. Rajneesh and then Pura. Right. And then name the streets. Remember the streets were named like Kabir. Yeah, the streets were like, they, <laughs> they re- t- renamed the streets. The, the, the town was called Antelope. Right? I think we said that earlier. And they totally took it over. And they were this real cult and they had these beliefs. And honestly, when you're watching the series, you kind of lose what the hell they were there for in the first place. Yeah. Because they get so caught up in fighting Mm. with the local townspeople and and then the the government. And then this guy, Bhagwan, 
who turns out to be this real famous guru named Osho. That was the gag for me. I was like, get out of here. I do yoga almost every day of the week. Any yoga, and I do it in my house. I, I can't really mess with a lot of people like <laughs> But But when I did go to yoga classes a lot more frequently and I found myself in meditation centers and things like that, you, you, you're not going to escape seeing books by this guy Osho. He still has a big meditation center in India. Yeah, You he know, does. he's he's still famous and world-renowned life after death. You know what I'm saying? Like Biggie. <laughs> you know what I mean? So all of the scandal and everything, it doesn't even matter. People are like this. I rocks with him. Yeah. You know? You know, um, I, you know, I find it really interesting because the whole time, you know, when I'm watching the series, like it just gets crazy and crazy and you start, you know, it's just, it's, it's insane. And it makes me, it made What made you think it was insane? What made you, what, what made you think it was insane? Um, what really got what really got insane was when they started to um well so what happened was there was a town nearby called the Dalles and people started getting poisoned by salmonella like 700 people or something like that 750 750 people got poisoned and everyone was like what the hell is going on well it turns out that this commune this you know, Rajneesh Pura or whatever, were cultivating salmonella in a lab. And I'm like, why are you doing that? And so, like, they found out, like, you know, they're obviously, the only link was they had salmon, but, like, they found out that salmonella that they were cultivating was the exact same genetic salmonella that people were having. And I'm like, you know, and it just got, you know, it just got crazy and crazy because, like, you know, and then it really kind of like, you know, people started like, and then the main, you know, the personal secretary of Rajneesh or Bhagwan, this guy, like fled, you know what I mean? And she, her name is Sheila and she like, you know, she fled. And, and you know, during this time, there was another, she like, they tried to commit murder. Like they tried to kill people and it was crazy. And they like tried to poison, they poisoned the whole town. Listen, so their whole thing was like, you don't understand this man's philosophy. When the, when the antelope, townspeople were fighting against the Rajneeshis coming to their town. They were like, you're stupid. Yeah. You're dumb. You don't understand the philosophy of enlightenment and the <coughs> the the way of life that Bhagwan is trying to bring to you. Right? So the people got affronted. The people who already lived in the town because they're like, oh, you think we're just these stupid local yokels. Yeah. And that's what made them really try to fight back because the thing about the Bhagwanians, like you could be all into yoga and you could be all into the all is one and yippity yap. But the thing is, you can't be arrogant. Mm. You can't come to somebody's place thinking you know everything and you're going to tell them what's going on. Even if the people may need something happening one of the quotes in the in the the film um that i remember was the guy saying these people were educated beyond their intelligence Mm. and he was like they don't got no common sense and so what happened was the people in the town as conservative and as christian and as closed-minded as the rajneeshis perceived them were like get out of here with all of your uniforms and your crazy sex talk and your enlightenment and all of that, we were fine without you. Yeah. Right? So this woman, Maj, somebody, Sheila, was the personal secretary of Bhagwan, who was this guru, who, by the way, he had all of these Rolls Royces, all this money, and he was the leader of these people, and he never showed up or said nothing, okay? (laughs) It was the secretary, this woman, Sheila, who was doing everything, and she says early in the series, she's like, I wasn't into the meditative thing. I was into the organization and the business, but, but we could work together. Yeah. So they worked together 
until there was a conflict of interest with money and the law. Yeah. And they both started looking out for each other. And they essentially used these people who started following them for their because they were vulnerable and because they were looking for something that they couldn't find anywhere else. They used these people as fuel. Yeah. And the townspeople, I didn't I didn't necessarily agree with the way that they were trying to get them out. Like, that's not what you do with folks. You don't just be like, oh, they're different. Get them out of here. The townspeople started arming themselves, right? But then the Bhagwanis, the yogis, the enlightened meditators with their ohms got got like semi-automatic weapons. They got to create their own police department. Whoa, like they were ready to kill. No, I'm telling you, guys, listen, listen, (laughs) you need to watch the show because it's crazy. And they did, they cultured the, the salmonella. Yeah. And they did try to kill, they tried to, they did try to kill those people. They they got all these people sick yeah. and they organized, they organized, um, they tried to organize the killing of one of the state politicians. Yeah, the attorney general. The attorney, they tried to, yeah, the they attorney tried general. to murder and the then, attorney general. And then, and then when this guy, Bhagwan, something happened with Bhagwan. He, 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 he got, um, he got hooked up with somebody from Hollywood. Yeah. And, and she was like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like an ex-wife of uh, the guy who produced the Godfather. Ready. Right. Yeah. So this woman, Hasnia or Hasnisa, whatever her name was, she comes through and this girl, Sheila, who was, had been his secretary for years was like, really? Word? Like you're trying to take my place. So what she does and she's like, we got to kill his doctor. <laughs> she's like, well, we Sheila gotta has ki- to say that. Yeah, Sheila was like, we got to kill Bhagwan's doctor. And this other woman, this Australian woman who's been with them for years, even from India, she's like, I'll do it. Right? Yo, she goes and she she gets a syringe. She fills the syringe with all kinds of deadly poisons. <laughs> And she does it. She goes to some, whatever, some big convention, a prayer, a own meeting. I don't know what the what the hell they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> but she 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 goes there. She jabs this dude in the neck with the syringe, right? And she's one of the main I think people. She, I think he did it in the, in the ass. She did it no, in the No, she ass. did it. No, nah, she, oh, she did it. She neck? did it in like the uh, neck uh-huh. of his back. But the thing is, she's one of the main narrators yeah, in the documentary. Series. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, this chick is crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But she jabs this dude. She tries to kill him for real. She doesn't actually kill him. Years later, when um, these people are arrested and indicted, they ask Sheila about her follower because the woman ended up leaving Bhagwan and going with his secretary, Sheila, to, like, further the... It's a whole thing. Like, it's a thing. This. It's you a thing. But anyway, show. the people ask her, like, so what do you think about your follower who tried to kill the doctor with the syringe? She was like, well, she failed. <laughs> the doctor's still alive. And my thing is, like, okay, you don't like the townspeople because you were saying the townspeople are um, not understanding difference and they're discriminating against everybody, A, B, and C, blase, we, yes, that's all true. Uh, however, you can't be trying to kill a whole town with salmonella poisoning. You can't be trying to jab people with syringes. Or may, I, look, I, I just, you know what? It's a crazy story. It was hard for me to do yoga today. <laughs> <laughs> I, after I watched it, I was like, I told you. I told you. You were like, gonna... never. Do... No, you told me never do yoga again. <laughs> I was like, I knew it was going to be like, I was going to be like, oh, okay. You were like, never do yoga again. You were like, you'll never want to meditate. <laughs> and you're right. It was a little difficult. <laughs> but I also was like, what is it? I asked the question. What is it that make people so dependent mm. on another human being to deliver them to joy and happiness right. to the point where you're going to try to kill somebody. Yeah. What's that? Well, I think that a lot of it, it's, it's the same question that why, why it's the same question that's asked of like why people go to religion and go to whatever they believe in. And I think it's just a matter of people feel lost and they feel like they feel this emptiness and the only, and they find that the only way that this emptiness can be filled is through 
this community. You know what I mean? And I think that's a big part of it is that you do feel less lonely because if everyone's thinking and feeling the same thing as you, you know, it's, it's the, you know, I, I mean, I'm not a religious person. I'm not like, you know, a very super spiritual person, but I'll never forget, you know, when I went to one of my favorite bands, Bon Iver, I went to his concert and it was like, it was awesome because it was this room full of people who are big fans as well. And we were all just enjoying the show. And, you know, and I was thinking, you know, it, you know, it, you multiply this by a hundred essentially with religion and cults because it gives you the sense of belonging. It gives you the sense of, you know, the sense of community, the sense of this weird sense of community, you know, this weird, you know, this, this part of you that wants to be part of like, you know, you want to feel exclusive, but you want to be part of something. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's the idea of like the hipster, you know, like, oh, like I knew him when he was cool, like before he was like popular, you know what I mean? It's like, but at the same time, like you, like when you find someone who knows him too, you're like, oh, you do? Like, you know about this artist? And it's like, and that's the idea is, is like, it's the exclusivity and community at the same time that people love. And I think that's, that's, and I think that it makes you feel wanted. It makes you feel, you know, desired loved and you know when you add sex into the mix i mean it's just like you're just, <laughs> i mean that's you're it just like you're like that's like that's it and i'm sure that and that's probably why there were so many followers of you know the religion of rajneesh whatever it was and i think that's the idea of religion is like you know it's it's the exclusivity and you know because i i grew up in the christian faith i grew up and and that's really what it's about is it's about this exclusivity that like you are chosen that god chose you to do this and god you know it's about choose you know the chosen one and same thing with judaism like they're the chosen people you know what i mean and it's the idea of exclusivity yet community at the same time and it's a weird mix and you know it's a weird kind of thing that like you know because the big thing in christianity is like your personal relationship with god and it's it's that idea of exclusive and everybody wants that and it doesn't matter whether you're christian and it doesn't matter whether you it's it it it's in everything you know it's in music it's in podcasting you know what i mean like oh you listen to the same podcast like i have a friend at work who we have the same podcast and we were like freaking out about the same guy who came into the store because he was you know like we knew who he was and but not everybody did you know what i mean and again i think it's just about that exclusivity and that you know and then but that exclusivity I think everybody leads wants you, that though. Everybody, but you know, come on. I'm with the dude who is with the townspeople. And again, I'm not some local white person in Oregon, <laughs> right? However, the dude was like this. Come on. Like, where's your common sense? You know, and I like the like the woman who stabbed the dude with the syringe. She brought her husband. And her two kids yeah. from Australia to yeah. India, right? Before yeah. she came to the, the States, to right? You know yeah. what I mean? And, and she was willing to do anything for this guy yeah. who she barely saw, who yeah. was driving around in Rolls Royces right. and essentially ignoring his, follow, his right. followers. But here's the thing. If you think about it, and oh, God. New York, just New we're York, in Crown Heights, Crown Brooklyn. Heights, Brooklyn. This we is got the, the sirens. sirens in the that's how we do it. That's how we. Um, but you know, the, the, but you're talking about. Think about this. When you look at religion, it's the same concept. They do. People believe in these things without seeing anything. It's that blind faith, and you know, yeah. it's it's all about it's all about faith. And again, it's just like. But you know what. I might it's like think differently thing. if I see you going with the Roy's, Rolls Royce. Mm. Like Jesus, I see the basic picture. Right. He's a guy with some Tumbleness. His it's, hair it's, yeah. and the beard. And there's some there are these um stories around him, these Bible verses around him, mm. and that's that. This dude, Rajneesh, was living up in the situation. Yeah. Okay. He was living up in the compound. Yeah. And they he might he wasn't speaking any words, but he had 20 Rolls Royces. I might be thinking a little differently in that situation. You know what I'm saying? But again, it's, you know, you know, it's again, it's it's the exclusivity. It's the it's the feeling of 
you know, and I think, and, and humans are You gotta love weird. yourself more. That's right. my thing. You and, gotta and, love and yourself before you love people true. like yeah. that. And like, come on, get very, out of here. Because this one, because ultimately, like, here's the point I'm trying to get to is that these people ended up in jail. And the woman in particular who stabbed the dude with the syringe and who, like, uprooted her kids and her husband and and, and went to um, Oregon. She, like, abandoned her son, went on the run when things were about to hit the fan. She yeah. went on the run with this chick, Sheila. They go to Europe. She gets, she gets caught. And when she talks about going to the prison... She's like, oh, my God, I didn't know how I was going to be able to stand it because I felt like I was in the mental asylum. Everybody was screaming. I'm like, but first of all, check your meditation system. Isn't stage two? Everybody freaking screaming. So you're home because (laughs) (laughs) because essentially what this dude had you do, what he had you train yourself in was being in a mental asylum. <laughs> so you ready. You should be prepared. And what, what I'm sure they were wearing orange. Isn't there a show orange is the <laughs> yeah, new yeah, black? Yeah. Like, so, so you, so you was should wearing, feel home. You, you feel good. Home. You should feel good. You're good. But again, you, I think, I just, I think it's the concept and I think that's everybody. And you can look at, you know, you can look at, everybody wants the exclusive exclusivity and the less lonely. And you can look and you can look, obviously, you know, cults, are sort of this micro, you know, look like view of how far it can go and how crazy it can get, you know, i.e. with the Rajneesh, with Nexium, where this woman is branding people, you know what I mean? <laughs> like literally. So like in Brooklyn, can, in, by the in, way. In, in Williamsburg. In, in Williamsburg. So you can see this like microcosm of 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 what how far it can go when you want to when you crave that exclusivity and that, you know, and that community, how far it can go. And then if you take a step back, it's kind of where a lot of religion lies, you know what I mean? And about the exclusivity. And then if you even take a step farther back, it's the idea of being a fan of a musician, you know what I mean? And that's, and that's the idea is like, or a fan of a politician or whatever the fuck it is. Everybody and it's belief. It's but that's belief the thing is, can carry you so far. Right, and the it thing really is, is that, and, they, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong until with, you're poisoning until towns you're poisoning towns and exploiting right. people. Because what they also do, these people, to prove how good they are at enlightenment, is they recruit homeless people. Oh yeah, right. So the Rajneeshis, as they're going on. And their controversy and their fight with these townspeople of Oregon and the growing um, interest from the government. And, and at the time, Reagan was uh, president. What and, and, they, and they've got attention now from Oprah, uh, old school talk show host Merv Griffin. Um, Ted Koppel, who was still on the air at that time, they're getting and all Donahue. this like me Donahue. They're getting all this media, <laughs> all this media attention. And um, what they do is they recruit all these homeless people to bring them to the compound, right? And then, and 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 the 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 antidote for them was meditation. So there was no kind of therapy other than the meditation. There was no kind of drugs administered, no program, no nothing. The people, the homeless people, they would just like get on this bus and you can come live in this compound. And, you know, some of the one of the homeless guys was like, can we do can we do drugs? And he was like, well, you can't do drugs, but you do get two beers a day. (laughs) Right. When that situation no longer worked for for the Rajneeshis. They when that the situation failed, yeah, they put these people right back on buses mm, and, and, sto- and just dropped them off in random places in Portland, Oregon. And like, all what over the world it? and all over the country, what, actually. What, what is that? Yeah. You're just using people. You're exploiting people in the name of enlightenment, communal living, and being free and, exp- and expressing all of your sexual desires. That's straight... B.S. I'm not saying you have to be a conservative Christian. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek places where you are feeling <clears throat> loved and accepted and, you know, finding a, 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 a sukkah for your loneliness. Yeah. However, when somebody is saying to you, 
who are we going to get to shoot this person? Who are we going to get to poison this person? Who are we going to get to stab this person and kill this person? Maybe you want to think twice. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you might want to think of some consequences. That's where the common sense comes in. Yeah. You can't let somebody, even in all of your loneliness, in all of your isolation, in all of your existentialism, you can't let somebody rob you of your common sense. Yeah. What's what, what part of the game is that? Well, I think, again, it's just you can get so warped and so drawn into whatever you're feeling that it can lead you on a dark path. And I, and I truly believe that anyone, that any kind of religion, anything can make you go crazy like that. I mean, look at, look at, you know, the Muslim faith with ISIS. You know what I mean? Look at that. Look how far they went. And then look how far fucking, I mean, look how far some crazy fucking people, like, you know, the guy who shot John Lennon, he started reaching, reading Catcher in the Rye and then like got driven to shoot a man. Like what? And that's, again, mm -hmm. that's how far it can go. You know what I mean? When you let people, and I think a lot of it, and I think a lot of it has to do with desperation. Absolutely. It has to do with loneliness. It has to do with, you know, a lot of things that you sort of, you sort of lose yourself into this and you let yourself be lost into this. And it's very hard to come back from that. And I think it's very hard to understand where, you know, to, to see that, oh, there is something wrong with this. You know what I mean? I mean, that woman that you're talking about who ended up sticking fucking syringe in this doctor. <laughs> Yo, because she was talking regular. She, she, but she the thing was like, is it was that, perfectly and fine. She ta- yeah, she, and she talked about how, you know, she ended up, they all, they said, it, she ended up serving a prison sentence in the United States. Yeah, 10 years. And she, no, she, she served it in Germany. When she got to the States, they said time served. Remember? Because her son. No, she served it here. No, she served it in Germany. Mm-mm, the no. woman who stabbed the guy with the syringe oh, was in Germany? Served, her, served her time in Germany. And what happened was she was like she still had an international warrant oh, yeah, for her arrest to conspire. Oh, yeah, to right, give right. Right. She right. had to go back to the United right, States. Right, because her son was dying. Yeah. And she was like, she knew she had to go back. Right. So she went back and she ended up, like they said, times her. Yes. But but the funny, but something, she kind of said it in offhand, but she talked about how it took... She had to go back to therapy. She had to figure this out to get out of it. And mm-hmm. it took her years to get out of it, mm-hmm. and to like to disassociate that. And and I found that really interesting because like, and that's the thing is, is like, you know, I mean, whatever makes you, and again, and when I was watching the series, I was like, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing initially. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was you like. You can call it weird. You, you can, can call, call it weird. You crazy, can call it whatever. But, but ultimately, they're, free, they're right. doing what they want to do. Right. And I, and the thing is, is like you have, you always, and I think with everything, with anything you believe in, with anything that you love, with anything you want to do, always remember to just essentially check yourself, check, you know, make sure like if it starts to be like, this is, you know, ask the question, is this going to harm someone? Is this going to do something, right? you know, irreversible to someone? Is this, is this, is this taking away from someone else's freedom or someone else's freedom to do, to believe and to do what they want, like I am doing. This, it's like that woman who, the woman who I believe was the wife of the lawyer, of the main lawyer of Bhagwan Rajneesh slash Osho. The woman had a quote where she said, pick your enemies carefully because the way that they fight you is what you become. And so when these townspeople, these local townspeople who were in this wild, wild country, which is a euphemism for the wild, wild west, took arms up against the Rajneeshis, the Rajneeshis was like, we're okay, we're going to get our own um, shooting ranges, targets, and we're going to get semi-automatic weapons. They had a lot of money and they built a, 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 a cache of all kinds of weapons and ammunition to combat what they believe to be right yeah, and how they wanted to build the town. And not for nothing, the hotel that they had built was bombed. So it's, I'm not, so the townspeople weren't culpable. Right. And again, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like they, 
I'm telling you, this series really makes you think because I was like, you know, yeah, it's not for me, but they're not they're not doing anything wrong and they're being they're being attacked. Uh, it's it's an interesting. If there's a si- fine line, though. Yeah, again, there's a, there's yeah, a fine line. There's a fine line. Yeah, and I think we're all walking that, and all kind of people and religion. Anything, anytime you believe in something so strongly, we're all yeah. walking this. And fine anytime line between- you believe in freedom so strongly, <laughs> mm. and every time you believe in freedom of thought so strongly, but you also have to remember that you're not living out here as an isolated person. Yeah, we're not, you're not a one-man no. island. You're not an island. No. You're not an island. You, you, you could be sitting here by yourself doing the whole thing. Look, I'll never forget the Amish. The Amish <coughs> churn butter and they still wear bonnets and, and, <laughs> and hoop skirts, okay, up in Pennsylvania town, wherever they at. I will never forget in the New Yorker where the Amish had a crack ring. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like yeah. 20 years ago. And I was like, yeah, see, people slept on the Amish. People viewed them as somebody as, and, and not, they didn't sleep on all the Amish. This one guy who had this crack ring doesn't speak for the Amish community <laughs> yeah. at large. Right. But my point is that no one is immune yeah. to the vagaries and the darkness that is introduced into any society. Mm. No one's immune to it. And it's just because that's how man is. Yeah, we're, it's human. You're human. People are human beings. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> we're out of here. We're gonna get we're gonna get we're gonna get out of here. We've been we've been we've taken we've too been much. Talking, we've yo. been talking. Yo, this was a Watch this was a show. good one. Yeah. It's a good one. Wild Wild Country. Wild Wild Country Netflix. on Netflix. It's only six yeah. episodes. Um, all right. So it's the summer and I was listening, it was a while ago. I was listening to, you know, some radio station that I had on. I was like, I asked like, you know, my smart speaker and I was like, Hey, would you play something I would like? And they did. And, uh, of course, you know, the song that they chose was (laughs) from 1977 because that's you. Because that's me. And you're actually um, 41. I know. <laughs> um, so I was I was listening to this sh- I was listening to the song and it was really interesting because everything else this guy puts out is awful. Like it's just I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I did not like anything else. Like I went I was like, "Oh, maybe this is all really good." And it's this one song and it's just a it's such a good song and I was like, "It's a weird it's a it's a it's a weird song and you kind of like it's just it has like you know his voice isn't that great, but it's like it's just I don't know what it uh, what it is about the song, but it's this song called "Man in the Station." It's from Ian um, Ian Ian Matthews. I was gonna say Ian Michaels. Ian Matthews. It's from '77, and it was like during like you know obviously it was during like you know funk when it was like you know in '77, and, and it was like during the folk thing. He's more of a folk singer, which is weird, but the song doesn't sound like that. I really liked it and I was like really digging it so I wanted to play it for you. So this is uh, Man of the Station by Ian Matthews. Yeah, that's the perfect folk song. <laughs> it could have went right into Wild Wild Country. Honestly. <laughs> <clears throat> so the next time you want to jump up and down and who and 
Woo and um, play man in the station. I'm telling you, it was it was a good song. It is a good song, but it was but it's it's all I could see were the people from Wild Wild Country dancing and laughing (laughs) with the wreaths around their head. (laughs) It fit right in. That was like the lost song from the soundtrack. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, I really like the song. But the funny thing is, like, nothing else sounds like, like that. Right? Nothing yeah. else sounds like this. That's why nobody knows who he is. I know. And it's 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 a good song. It's Man in the Station by Ian Matthews. And the whole song is, and I love, like, the, the harmonica, like, you know, and it's just, it's such a groovy song. And his voice isn't anything, like, spectacular. And it's very subdued, the entire and it's got song. And it's got a little funk twist Yeah, to exactly. It. Yeah. And nothing else sounds like that. Yeah. And I thought, oh, maybe the whole album sounds like this. No, it does not. And it's is the song a, is still quirky. It's a good song. It I really good, liked though. it. It's it's such a. I, I honestly, I kept thinking when I listened to the song, I like the original, but I feel like I wish that someone else could cover it, and I feel like someone else could make it even a better song. No, like if you gotta, just leave it there in seventy seven. <laughs> put it on another documentary soundtrack. <laughs> That's where that song belongs. <laughs> All right, listen. Thank you for listening to the Honeyology Podcast with Mm. Anthony Valdez. Please find us on Facebook at Honeyology. Please find us on Twitter at Ms. Honeyology. That's M-Z Honeyology. And on Instagram at Honeyology Creative. Subscribe, review. Please listen again. We have things to say and we like talking to you. Peace and love. Honeyology is produced by Anthony Valdez and Anika Lani. Our digital producer is Ariel Valdez, and our advising producer is Keisha Ramel. This podcast is recorded and mixed in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. The podcast theme song, Honey Point of View, is written and performed by Audio. Honeyology is presented by The Ernest Kid Company. For more information, go to theearnestkid.com.